everyone. Welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke. And today we're going to talk about the comedy scene here in Luxembourg. A little bit of happiness and brightness on this slightly dull November day. Joining me are Lian Habra and Jess Baldry. Lian Habra is a Syrian comedian who moved to Luxembourg in 2015. He's been living here now with his family. He followed his wife who got a scholarship to study in Germany. And they have one daughter, a three-year-old girl. Well, obviously it's a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Less comedic, he came here in the middle of the war in Syria. And coming from the Middle East, Leanne has encountered many surprising and, despite all of that, funny facts, which he loves to share with his audience. Aside from comedy, his day job finds him doing a serious job as an information security officer in a bank. Jess Baldry is a British comedian who's been living and working in Luxembourg since 2010. She's a regular at the open mics in Luxembourg and abroad. She performed at the Luxembourg International Comedy Festival in 2018 and 2019 and more recently opened for comedians including Bengt Washbourne, USA, former writer for Conan and The Late Late Show, and Victor Pastraskan. I hope I'm correctly pronouncing this. (laughs) Victor Patashkan. Okay, Victor Patrashkan. Thank you. (laughs) From Romania. Jess is involved in establishing the English language comedy open mic scene in Luxembourg in 2016. In 2021, she co-founded Writers Who Talk, a network for creative writers, and has given two workshops on humour writing. You can also read her work in a number of anthologies, including Tales from the Fountain, published by Black Fountain Press. And when not making people laugh, Jess works as a journalist and is also non-linearly studying Internet of Things. So welcome to you both. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's really, really good to have you here. And I'm very excited about this because the last couple of weeks I've done a quite serious talk. So I'm hoping that you can really give me and our listeners some lovely energy as we move into what is very clearly autumn time here in Luxembourg. So let's start with thinking about the stand-up comedy landscape in Luxembourg and globally as well. So how and when did it start in Luxembourg? I think it started like uh, five years ago, if you are talking about the English scene. A couple of uh, people started an initiative called Open Mic, which means anybody who feels himself funny or he wants just to sing a song or just tell a funny story about his mother, he can go on stage and say something for five minutes or for ten minutes. And it started like this. We gathered, me and Jess, in one of these nights and uh, we started practicing our materials, which we wrote in an amateur way, let's say. And step by step, we started reading books about comedy and trying to improve our skills because it's not easy from the first time. But it means also that anybody can try. You shouldn't be a professional comedian to be on stage and try to make people laugh. So this is how it started in Luxembourg, more or less. Well, Jess, actually just talking to you and you mentioned to me on a chat we had that you've been studying more about comedy through COVID times. And it actually struck me for the first time that one can actually study comedy. I hadn't really thought about that. I thought people are either funnier than not. But in fact, you can develop your humour, it turns out. Yeah, well, I guess first of all, you've got to know what's funny. <laughs> people say like tragedy is uh, tragedy plus time is usually it's funny. But yeah, you've got to identify what's funny and maybe enjoy laughing, I guess, is, is something you probably 
probably need to have before you're starting out and maybe enjoy making people laugh. But it's true, there's so much, there are so many ways you can learn now to be a comedian or to be a better comedian. There's three books, I'm, I think they're going to be tagged on at the end of this podcast that I recommended. But the great thing about the pandemic was that everyone took courses online. So there were loads of comedians in the States and in the UK who could no longer perform, or maybe they could on Zoom, but weren't making so much money. So decided to offer classes on the side. And um, I met some really, really good comedians. Judy, Judy Carter, she wrote the Bible, the comedy Bible. So she was offering one in the States. The only trouble was it was like States time, Luxembourg time. <laughs> it was kind of in the middle of the night. There are techniques you can learn. There's a, a, quite a different comedy style from the States to the UK. There may be some techniques that are common in the States, but not in the UK. And you just basically learn them. The main thing is that you don't want to be reproducing the same jokes everyone else is doing. You want to distinguish yourself. So this is where you've got to really like start plumbing what's crazy, weird, stupid, difficult or great about your life. Um, although the great stuff doesn't always make people laugh so much. <laughs> Look at her life. It's so amazing. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Usually the tragedy stuff works better you need to have kind of suffered for people to like laugh at that um I lost my chain of thought a little bit there didn't I that's fine that's totally <laughs> fine you're talking about the learning through the COVID times and the comedy bible and how you spend a lot of time learning you also mentioned actually which is really up there in my brain that there's culture to culture country to country there are many different types of humor even within one country there's lots of different types of humor and as you rightly said and I certainly know it the British humor is very different from Irish humor which is very different from American humor and that's just three Anglophone countries that I can think of so what works here in Luxembourg and you Leanne you're coming from a different language background entirely performing in English so what goes through your mind when you think about comedy here is quite special in Luxembourg because it's quite a multinational country. People from different nationalities like to know about other countries and in particular their stereotypes. For example, the Belgian like to laugh about the French, the French like to laugh about the German. It's something very natural here. <laughs> and when we spot the light on these topics in a funny way or in a sarcastic way, people like laugh so much because it's something they see every day, especially in a country like Luxembourg. They deal a lot with each other. And sometimes they are ashamed to say or they think, uh, OK, maybe it's their culture. And we try always to spot the light. For me, coming from the Middle East, it gave me also another advantage because of the cliches about Middle East. OK, you are riding camels. How did you come here? Do you really have uh, cell phones there back in Syria? Of course we have, but we have also things that people like to know more about. And the cliche that they used to hear about, is it true? Is it not true? So I also try to spot the light on this in a funny way. And people seem to be interested not only to laugh, but to learn more about other faraway countries. This is something very common in Luxembourg, the neighboring countries, but also to be open to hear about other countries. When you bring it in a funny way and you really laugh about stereotypes that people see every day, it really makes them laugh. I think for Luxembourg it's quite particular because there is no one culture embedded in the country. It's really multicultural country. When you say the word Syria, I mean, the first thing that comes into my head is war, I'm afraid. And just I cannot really think that the situation there is comical in any way. Do you feel that your use of comedy has helped you cope with that? Yes, a lot, a lot. Uh, of course, it's a sad landscape there since 2011. But what I try to do is to find the brightest way. We will move on. We need to build our country. 
But of course, we need to spot on the bad things happening. So I try to use a lot the example of corruption to make laugh of it, propose some inside the jokes how to enhance the situation. Of course, it's not easy. People like to, to hear a lot about this because they exaggerate in their imagination. Like, do you really have bad situation? Yes, it's bad, but it's not as bad as you think. There are always good things. We are... Uh, dancing every night after we run to bring bread and the essential of flies every morning. But at night, we are doing the parties every night. It's not like here in Europe. You go to sleep at 10 o'clock. No, we stayed there. <laughs> let's yeah. not say Europe, just like Luxembourg. Luxembourg. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, and people there are quite tolerant and flexible because they suffer every morning, as I told you. But in the evening, they're like a totally different person. Can I ask, what time do you, does the day start in Syria? Like here, like, okay, eight or... Okay. Okay, maybe people go to work at nine. Yeah. And they leave at five, let's say. But then they have different kind of activities. They need to visit each other, play cards, smoke some shisha. But then... <laughs> and then the day is not over until midnight or one o'clock. Of course, not so productive. Yes. <laughs> well, actually, the other thing that you're reminding me of is my grandmother's house back in, um, in Kilkenny in Ireland, where you have a great conversational culture so you meet up with people you talk and you share stories and over food or shisha or whatever it happens to be and comedy in a way is a little bit of that so how have you developed your own styles then both of which have been developed here in Luxembourg over the last few years well that's a really good question Lisa I think that well you develop your own themes around your own life for sure because you you're constantly confronted with your stupid self every day <laughs> and like the stupid stuff that happens and and I think being a woman I'm being a British woman I, I am now half Luxembourgish I'm not sure which half <laughs> I basically speak Luxembourgish like a three-year-old kid um, yeah I mean it's just being a woman being a foreigner trying to integrate also wanting to stay here you know there's so many different tensions there life is tough I mean of course it's not as hard as there's many many countries but um there's always challenges and so yeah just really trying to draw out what's funny about that often I would make jokes about my relationship with my partner he's Belgian and I think that's maybe that's a bit of a cheap shot because everyone laughs at the Belgians including the Belgians but uh, he is um he is great he's good fun and um he you know he laughs at me as well has he started being a little bit concerned about what he does has he started acting differently since you're using him as material uh, <laughs> he is acting differently, but it's completely no. I'm joking. <laughs> I already knew to be like to keep that home is kind of sacred from my job as a journalist. You know, he did not want to be included in any stories. I was like, that's fair enough. I respect that straight away. Usually, I'd say like nine point nine times out of ten, I have checked with him. Is it okay if I mention this as a joke? And he's like, because he doesn't. You know, he's he's kind of got a bit bored of coming to the shows, which is fair enough. You know, I, he doesn't. I don't expect him to come. So yeah, most of the time he's like okayed it um so yeah you're drawing basically from your personal life and going back to what you were asking Leanne earlier like what what lands in Luxembourg um it's really tricky because you know there might be jokes that really play on a, a very good uh, vocabulary in English that your audience might not have or maybe they're a bit too drunk or maybe there's a little bit of background noise and they miss the keywords so the setup's got to be really, really clear. But I think at the end of the day, the shock stuff really works. Like the sex jokes really work. The relationship stuff works. 
anything that people can relate to really you know anything about your journey today everyone can relate to the bad traffic the bad weather basically you're plumbing your own life looking for material and then trying to think okay is that relatable or is my relationship just really really weird (laughs) and it might alienate my audience just to add on Jess' comment about what makes people laugh here people here since especially in the luxembourg city there are not a lot of luxembourgish And people tend not to find Luxembourgish at work or wherever they go. They are always interested to know where are these Luxembourgish and what do they do? (laughs) And we use this a lot. Me personally, I use it a lot to make people, okay, we we make a lot of jokes about uh, Luxembourgish exist and this is what they do. People like are, as I told you, interested to, okay, it's a joke or it's true. Maybe we can do some jokes. Well, jokes are always slightly on the edge of the truth, aren't they? That's... (laughs) That's why people can relate to them. Yes, yes. And I have a lot of Luxembourgish friends who come sometimes to me. Yeah, and you can say, say this joke. This is what we do. And this will make people laugh. And when when I use it, yeah, it works. So, oh. so because there are a lot of French, Belgium and Germans here, let's talk about this small community. But Luxembourgish exists as well. And <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to know what is their culture. I became Luxembourgish just to meet one of them as well. So, <laughs> which myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bouncing off of that, actually, so there is, in addition to there being an English comedy scene and a French comedy scene, there is a Luxembourgish language comedy scene. And I have a great friend, Prince, and when he performs in English, his material is sometimes a little bit too edgy. For some people, they're like, oof, yeah, too shocking. Luxembourgish, it kills every time. So, you know, it's like in one language, something might work in another, not, or, you know, the, the opposite. I think at the end of the day, there just isn't that much comedy in Luxembourgish in any case. So maybe that, that explains that situation. But yeah, I think if you want to do comedy in Luxembourgish, go for the shocking stuff. Right. Well, that's, it's so curious. And also just what you said before, Jess, you know, a lot of um, English humour can play on the words or the puns or the many meanings of a certain word. So it's interesting just how you've painted that landscape of comedy in Luxembourg. But I also want to go back to you, Jess, because you were mentioning, obviously you're female, <laughs> Um, and the, the the comedy scene for women in, I mean, I love comedy and I, I listen to a lot of it, work and find it. And I've certainly noticed the increasing number of women who are given airtime. I mean, I'm thinking about the BBC, which is what I listen to a lot. There's so many more out there, which is great. I feel like they've had to plough a different furrow in a way to get there. Naturally, because we're not the same species. Well, we're the same species, but we're not quite. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. We're, 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 we're not the same species. <laughs> I think that's the, the trouble. Um, but so, what I mean is women, maybe, I, I don't know, everybody is different, but we come from a slightly different mental state. And I guess as a whole might not have the outward confidence that many men seem to have. So I just feel it's been a different, a different avenue to get there. Yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely different. So like a guy who might do a set and get no laughs and come off stage and be like, yeah, I killed. <laughs> and then we'll be like, okay, I need to work on that. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's crazy, isn't it? I've had generally positive experiences with most of the comedians here. But there are not that many women doing stand-up comedy in a small place like Luxembourg. It's really nice to have more women. There's just a different kind of feedback, right? I and mean, Leanne, I think, is kind of a brother sister sometimes because I think we're good friends and we, we do give each other feedback. But it's it's just different when you have a, a woman. How do you, <laughs> as a female, 
get into the male psyche. I feel like men, because we're so used to male humour, <laughs> they've managed to, I don't know, again, it's it's all relational, isn't it, to what we experience in our lives. So what is it that a woman can talk about that a man can't talk about, for instance? I mean, I can think of a few things off the top of my head. <laughs> At the end of the day, there's like a, there's a, I hate that expression. At the end of the day, it's not like I'm down the local pub. So there's a, um, there's a, there's a rule in comedy that I try and observe. Not everyone does, but it's called don't uh, punch down, punch up. So you don't basically, I would never make a joke about a Syrian because I'm in a position of, uh, I'm a white woman living in Western Europe, unless I have a really good subtext for it and it like turns it on its head and basically makes me look silly for some reason. So I wouldn't punch down like that. However, I would make a joke about a white white male because he's above me, so I can punch up. I mean, I guess it depends how you see the hierarchy and the, and the patriarchy there. But to answer your question, how do you access like what men find funny? Um, I'm never going to do the same jokes as, as a guy because I've got a different place in the hierarchy. And also just different things that bug me, different things that make my life difficult and stupid and crazy. You know, this is the crazy thing. There should be way more women comedians out there because there's so much to drive us nuts all the time. <laughs> like literally just people patronising you all the time every day. I think most of us just tune it out. I've been doing this um, like a 30 day challenge with Ben where you write down every day something that bugged you, was crazy, weird, stupid. And I'm just like, I've got too many things for one day. <laughs> like This guy did this to me. And um, it becomes a bit of a feminist rant and you've got to be careful of that of course as well well there's a podcast the uh, guilty feminist that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> you still got to make it funny at the end of the day i'm a minority um, here so. oh sorry 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 we don't mean to be um, lashing out <laughs> but interestingly there have been studies to like find out who controls the laughter in a room like when you've got a really good open mic and a lot of people believe it's the women in the room who decide so if there's a guy on a date with a woman he'll check to see if she's laughing first but then you know like is she, is she was going to laugh at another woman not always depends what her experience has been like depends where she's from and that's the tricky thing in Luxembourg because you've got such a diverse audience you've got we've always got at least three or four nationalities you know Eastern Europeans Middle Easterns maybe people from North Africa it's just like it's nice if you can make really good jokes about I, I talked a lot about feminism if you can make jokes that make men think about the situation of, of, um, of power that's really great so that's when punching up works not always I think sometimes men when they think you're attacking them will be like I'm not going to laugh at her or you know actually as soon as you get on the stage everyone judges you anyway even before you've opened your mouth you just got to use every trick in your bag Lisa every trick you have to make people laugh and I think that's maybe why you do see fewer female comedians because they're just like the task is just too too huge sometimes and also we as women I think sweeping generalization I know but you were saying this earlier you know a woman won't be happy just to go on stage and get one laugh, whereas a guy might be. A woman will want to get... I think we're perfectionists in many, many respects, most of us. And so that's why a lot of women will find it harder to, to get into this uh, world. Um, also, my last point on this, because I know I'm monopolising the microphone, um, to get more women to, to be involved, women need to see women performing this has got to be loads of photos of women doing it and that's that's hard you know when you're as a comedian performing and trying to work on your material all the time self-promotion is definitely not something that comes uh, easily for me I think that's, that's quite tough so you've got to rely on other comedians like giving you some space basically posting pictures of you as well a couple of times that happened where there was an open mic and I took photos of everybody and I said to someone can you take my picture he just forgot it's <laughs> like seriously it's tiring you've got to push 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 RTL Original Podcast. 
So, Leanne, tell me a little bit about how you go about writing material. I mean, we've talked about where it might come from, but the art of sitting down and being, you know, a little bit um, rigid in your timekeeping, I suppose. You have to think about how do I fill five minutes? You have to do a set. How do you write a set? Yeah, so I think everybody has different ways of writing materials. For me personally, I like to observe people when I'm in the bus, even when I'm in my car. Just observe everything around you because something might happen during the day, something funny or something clumsy or even something sad. And I have this small old-fashioned notebook where I can write, even if I have my smartphone, I like to write it down with ink just to memorize. So I, I write some headlines. And then when I got five or six ideas, I came back when my daughter is asleep, my wife is too tired to watch Netflix. <laughs> I can sit on my own and start writing. Like it just came when I'm starting to write. Like sometimes I try to register or record myself talking, but I feel more comfortable when I write and really not typing on the on the computer, but just to write the old fashioned way. When you start imagining things, you start to exaggerate in the idea because I might have observed something really normal or a bit abnormal, but then you have to exaggerate. Comedy depends a lot on exaggeration, adding some spices on the true story. And then comes the joke. <laughs> and you have to also try it because when you write it, if you don't perform what we call it act out, some situation or some jokes really need to be acted out, which means try to act a situation or mimic a dialogue between two persons, an old woman talking with a young guy, you need to change your voice tone. And here comes the funny things about the comedy. Some people have their own way by just reading the joke. And with their very cold way they make people laugh sometimes myself i like to act it out to change my voice tone and watch a lot of comedy also on netflix or on youtube the secret code about the comedy you shouldn't copy a joke from another comedian it's a big shame but you can be influenced or you can talk about the same topic with your own way me personally i like to bring a lot of jokes about my family i like to bring uh, some facts or some ideas about my family, about my mother, my father, even my wife. And as Jess was saying, like, sometimes her partner say, okay, I'm, I'm okay if you talk about me in some of your materials. My wife even sometimes gave me some materials that like, talk about this about me. Like, are you sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. This will make people laugh. So I, I like the fact that she's very open to talk about sometimes some personal things because people are also interested to know sometimes intimate facts about a couple because it's their lives also. They live it, but sometimes they are shy to tell about it or or to make a joke on, on a sad fact or on a weird fact on their lives. Yeah, yeah observational humour. It always yeah. touches the, the heartstrings of most people's lives. That's why it's so successful. Another element of comedy is not just writing it, of course. I mean, there are comedy writers for sitcoms or other comedians, in fact. But you guys are on stage performing it. A lot of people have a problem with just public speaking in general. But you're going a step further, which is you're putting your whole lives out there. You're really bearing your souls and you're acting and you're writing your own scripts, your comedy scripts. So you're putting so much on it. How do you cope with that, number one? And how do you cope with it if it doesn't go so well? To begin with, it's really, really hard because as you say, it's you you put make yourself super, super vulnerable. But you learn you learn over time to play a character because I think your comedy persona tends to be nine times out of ten is probably an exaggeration of who you are some people do character comedy especially in the UK so the character is pretty different but it feels like when you're going on stage yep you're putting on the happy face or, or putting on whatever your your face is and you're playing a character at the end of the day 
And the other thing is, I can't remember who told me this, but they were like, when things don't work, it's not that they don't like you. They just didn't like or get that joke. And so once you realise that, it's not personal. <laughs> it's just the material. You know, okay, I can, I can work on that. I can work with that and I can make it better. I think you just need to disconnect yourself a little bit from it and not be so precious. And as a journalist, you get used to doing that anyway. So, um, and, and reworking it, yeah. yeah but think? as a journalist, you don't get feedback from an audience sitting in front of you. Oh, but social media, you do get feedback. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. And Leanne, for you, how do you cope with that, standing up and bearing your soul and, you know, literally seeing the faces directly at the same time, whether it's worked or not? Yeah, I think when I started doing this, I was afraid to be frank how will my professional job look at this am i doing a hobby that okay i'm performing at night in some bars doing some comedy but in the morning as i told you or as you introduced me i'm doing a very serious job so will my management appreciate what i'm doing actually they do and they like and they love because it really brought also values to my job i became more confident in the public speaking i do a lot of trainings in my job and comedy gave me a lot of secret, let's say, skills without noticing, like it came by time to my job. In my job, particularly, it's a serious job. Sometimes people don't like to talk about cybersecurity. It's really boring. And so I try to bring some funny facts to make people, because we do a lot of awareness campaigns to stuff. Please don't uh, leave your laptop uh, unlocked. Uh, you have to lock it, blah, blah, blah. Second fact, as Jess was saying, it's a matter of trying different materials and sometimes the same material to different uh, audience. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But we shouldn't stop. All of the, most of the very famous comedians, I was reading about Russell Peters, he's one of the famous comedians in the world. He had this situation 1,000 times. He was not successful at his beginning, not making people laugh. It's just a matter of learning what is the culture, as we said. When I started here doing comedy, I brought all my comedy from the Middle East and try them, nobody laughed. Like, what are you talking about? We we are not connected to these topics. And I started modifying step by step by keeping the same spirit of what is Middle East, what is funny, what is sad. So I think it's a matter of learning by time and to have an impact on your personal life. You will, might uh, be requested to do a comedy in a social uh, situation, like with friends and family, and try to do some jokes. It will help you a lot. I told you off air also that anybody can do comedy. People in their jobs, they like to improve their public skills. They can do also comedy. This really helps in the professional life as well. So when we think about the comedy community here in Luxembourg, which you've both been pillars of, how can other people get involved? They can watch comedy, first of all. There's a lot of professional shows being organised. And at those shows, they can meet some of the people who, who participate in open mics. Open mics, there are two per week at the moment. Usually there's one on a Wednesday night at eight o'clock at Baidegar. That's organised by Luxembourg Laughing Out Loud. I think it's L-L-O-L Luxembourg <laughs> on Facebook. And then on Thursdays, there's one in Up Down, starts at nine. And that's by organised by Luxembourg Comedy on Facebook. I'm making a grimace because I just can't remember the, the Facebook page, which is good. There are two open mics a week because then it's like, well... The stakes are not so high. You know, you try Wednesday, maybe it didn't work. Try Thursday, might do better. So uh, you've always got a chance to improve. I think it's good to do two a week if you can. I haven't, I don't always manage to do that, but that's nice. That's a good pace to kind of improve. If you've got a little bit of material, just try it. You don't have to do the full five minutes. Just try one minute. I mean, I remember there are 
sometimes people are just like, I just want to try three jokes, <laughs> see if it works. It's harder if you only do a short set because you might want to warm the audience up or they might want to know a bit more about you before they kind of invest in you. But why not? How many jokes per minute would you recommend? Well, you're meant to get five laughs per minute when you get to the high, you know, the really good level. So, you know, laugh every 12 seconds. Oof, um, gosh, there's mathematical yeah. equations on this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, Give yeah. us a few more rules of comedy. <laughs> I, I, I like you. So you have to punch up, laugh every 12 seconds. What else do we need to know? Mm. A few basic rules. No joke stealing. No joke stealing. You need to give the joke its space. So when you say a joke, just breathe and have a like one moment or two of silence so that you can see the reflection of people and let people laugh. Because the laughters are like <gasps> a triggers of other laughter. It's like, it's like a, I don't know what we call it in English, but it's like a snowball getting bigger. Yeah. When somebody laugh, uh, the other people will laugh. Even if there are people that didn't get the joke, they say, okay, I will laugh because I'm, I don't want to feel like a stupid. I will laugh anyway. It's like a snow, uh, snowball getting bigger. So you need to give the space of the joke. <laughs> you, you were saying, what's the word in English? Uh, the first word I thought of was contagion. You know, you were thinking of yeah. snowball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking yes, of virus. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. yeah. yeah. No, 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 it is. Laughter is contagious. Yeah. That's why you need the small venues with, with like people quite close together because that makes them laugh, you know and they're in the dark yes. um, yeah if you speak over laughter three times apparently studies I found this <laughs> if you speak over laughter three times the audience will stop laughing because they'll be like well maybe she doesn't want me to, to laugh so like because yeah. she keeps talking so this is what uh, Leanne's saying also don't if you're going to do an open mic be really nice to the bar you need them at the end of the day and even if you get like free drinks you know be, be nice to them or tip them if it's appropriate for your culture and be nice to the organizers Luxembourg's a really small place and if you're a bit of a I'm not going to swear if you're <laughs> diva if you're a diva or an unpleasant person they're not going to let you perform again so really listen carefully to what the rules are and uh, and yeah stick to them and how do you manage it to go up there and smile and be a comedian if you're having a bad day just imagine the people in front of you naked. So it's the golden rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's not easy to perform when you have a bad day, when you are stressed, when you are exhausted. But I see it this way, like, okay, what will happen? Shit will happen. So uh, we are not a very pro comedians. We're telling people this is open mic. It's a free entry. So they are not expecting to, to watch one hour or one hour and a half of professional comedy. It's really familiar situation. And uh, this also eased the situation on us. We don't have much stress. Just to add on, on just about the landscape or the scene in Luxembourg, we have also paid shows here because some of us has really got good materials and good way of performance. So we sometimes do perform paid shows and we bring also pro comedians from the neighboring countries, from England a lot, from Ireland, where people can really come and watch uh, pro comedy for even like one hour or even two hours. The week might have four to, let's say, three times of comedy recently because we have eased up a bit the restrictions of, uh, of COVID. Also to mention that it's not only in English, we have also comedy in French, as just said, comedy in Luxembourgish. And I'm thinking personally to do something in Arabic. Let's see if I can oh, get uh, three or four audience. <laughs> but <laughs> but a, lot of, a lot of colleagues also trying to do in their own uh, languages. I know somebody who did something in Russian. So I think the, 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 yeah, the, the scene Russian, is getting bigger and yeah. bigger. Yeah. The Russian shows sell out like yeah. really, really fast. They've yeah. done two now. Yeah, incredible, right? There's a big Russian community here that likes comedy. I didn't know there was a big Russian comedy 
mentality. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a lot to laugh at. <laughs> Just to drink vodka before you go. And then. <laughs> okay. Sorry, that's, a little, that's that's cruel. Uh, I shouldn't be. I should always punch up. Um, and then, just really, my final thought is: How do you become professional? Is that the point at which you're paid for your work? Or what? What is the trigger? What is what is the amateur turn professional launch pad? Five last per minute. I think that's it. When you're when you're getting five laughs per minute for your material, or even more, I think that's a good threshold. No, but I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at what point can you call yourself a professional, or be respected as one by other people? I mean, I, I, I have had five laughs per minute, therefore I am. <laughs> but then you'll you'll put yourself out for more gigs. You'll get you know you get more of exposure, more well known. You'll maybe have some promotional material, maybe even merchandise. I mean, I don't know. Is it when you quit your job, your day job? It might be, it might be. Yeah, when, yeah. when it becomes your first and only job, something that you do on full time, you are traveling a lot, you're doing tours. And Is some, that possible when, in Luxembourg to become a professional comedian? Yeah, why not? The thing is that there are other jobs that are way more, more paid than <laughs> Luxembourg, like that doing comedy, sorry. So you need to think about it. It's a very long uh, way to go. Yeah. For me, I think after I get my retirement, I would go for professional retired comedian. This is my plan. And it's not a secret. A lot of comedians know about me that this is a hobby for me now. But maybe when I retired and I still have some health <laughs> or some energy, I would go for really dedicating my life for comedy. But not for now. <laughs> I think you just got to travel. The, the, yeah, you got to look at what the reality is then of doing comedy. It is possible for sure. You need to travel a lot though, um, which is kind of doable, you know, because if you've got a car, you can drive all over Europe really, really easy or fly. But yeah, when you, you have a child. No, when you have a child, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to gig a lot. It's quite, from what I understand from people in the States, it's, um, it's tough if you've got a family or a relationship because you're always traveling, always, always traveling. And if that's not what you enjoy doing, then maybe maybe comedy stand-up comedy is something you want to start. so one of the guys who taught me in the states he said he just couldn't deal with the traveling lifestyle he wanted to be at home with his family so uh, he, he gave that up and he now writes for tv so that's fair enough and then the other thing is yeah so like money you've always i mean as an independent a self-employed person it's you've always got to be preparing for the next event next event and i think that's tough uh, one thing that i know for example banked washburn does so he's an american comedian um, living in in Germany, he does cruise uh, cruise gigs, and he said they pay really really well, but they're quite punishing because you've got to have two lots of um, two different sets. I think he said forty five to an hour, and you're doing them each one once a day for a week and on a cruise ship. But he's like, but the money's good. So, um, but I think he couldn't survive on that alone. You know, he's got a salary of his partner, and that's that's how they survive at the end of the day. Or you do it with with some TV writing, like. Um, I think Beth Stelling, I think she writes for TV and she does stand up. So that's quite a nice, uh, it's quite a nice gig if you can do the two, right? A portfolio comedic career. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, please don't wait for your retirement because when you talk about the amount of travel, you need a lot of energy to travel and health, et cetera, et cetera. Please just start now. And also resign you... tomorrow. No, 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 no. Don't blame Lisa me. told me to do it. I'm leaving. I don't want to be blamed for any of this. When you talk about the organisation involved in, you know, finding gigs across Europe or wherever, across the world, anywhere, cruise ships, the lot, I can imagine in the UK or somewhere, there would be agents who would help you do this. But here, is there any of that support right now? 
<laughs> Good question. <laughs> Good question. I think that, yeah, like if you're in the UK, you probably have an agent, but I don't know. Maybe if you're here and you're professional, you'd get an agent in the States and in the UK, but everything else, you probably just contact different venues directly, I think. You can know. call the fiduciary if they can do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, both of you, it's been such a joy to have you. Any final thoughts? Welcome to watch us because I know that work in Luxembourg is quite stressful, especially <laughs> in the winter. So if you want to get some laughs and have a have a drink, it's really nice to see people coming because uh, it improves us a lot to perform in front of a lot of people and it also makes people laugh at the end of the day so that they come back to their jobs the next day fully active and energized. <laughs> Rejuvenated. I'd say, um, just if there's any women listening to this who are like, kind of like, oh, I'd love to try it, but I just, I just can't. Just try it. I mean, it doesn't matter what you've got. Just pick up a microphone. It's so great. It's just amazing. And after that, you'll just be so power hungry. You'll never give up. No, I mean, I'm joking aside, but the reason I got into this was because uh, my last job, when they hired me, they said, um, we're gonna, there's going to be some events, but you're going to need some public speaking skills. And I was terrified of public speaking, you know, unless it was a script. I have a theatre background, but, you know, unless there's a script or something prepared, I'm not very good at improv. And uh, so I was like, okay, I think I need to do something about this. So that's how I started doing stand-up comedy. And, um, well, I mean, I still did a few events for work. Just, it's just so much fun when you get into it, when you realise it's so much to, to learn. And when you have a good gig, it's so rewarding. So anyway, yeah, just my last point, women listening to this, pick up a microphone, please, because you will love it. And, you know, you've got to get your voice out there. But, you know, if you've got something to say, obviously you need something to say. <laughs> but everyone has got something to say. You just need to tune into what it is. Oh, that's a lovely final word. It can't be beaten. Thank you both so much for your time. And hopefully you'll have a whole RTL Today audience coming, waving their flags in support of both of you and everyone in the stand-up comedy scene here in Luxembourg. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa. Sorry for my squeaky chair. <laughs> I'm just, it's awful. But I'm, I have this habit when I talk, I get so animated. Am I talking too fast? No, no, no. It's really not for me. Not for me, no. Just rambling. <laughs>